Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Today I Learned Disney. We're excited for you to hear today's episode, which we recorded last month since Jess and I have been traveling. In it, we talk about the Van Eaton Galleries, an amazing gallery in Sherman Oaks, California that hosts incredible exhibitions and auctions with memorabilia from all parts of the Walt Disney Company, from the studios to the parks. We've been fans of Van Eaton for a long time and have gotten some amazing pieces at their auctions. At the time of our last recording, we'd just come back from visiting their last auction, A Brief History of the Walt Disney Studios. And in this episode, we'll read from a great piece of memorabilia that we found there. Since we recorded, the Van Eaton Galleries has opened a new exhibition, their biggest ever, called That's From Disneyland. And if you've been on Instagram lately, you've probably seen it. So we wanted to let you all know that if you're in Southern California, be sure to visit That's From Disneyland from August 1st through the 24th, Wednesday through Sunday, 12 noon to 8 p.m. We're so excited for our friends at Van Eaton, and you can find the catalog of pieces online or follow the Instagram account they've created for this special event at That's From Disneyland. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy today's show. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Brooke. And this is Today Learn Disney, the podcast where we learn some new and interesting things about Disney every week, and hopefully you learn something too. So Jess, today I learned the story of a real-life Disney villain. And I know there are a couple of them in the history of Disney, but I thought this one was fun because it takes us pretty far back. And since this is a pretty new podcast, we wanted to sort of start, or I wanted to start with something a little bit further back historically, so we have a sense of, you know, this is bad. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep doing this now that I'm like, no. Yeah, now that we know we yeah. mistakes. <laughs> okay. So, Jess, today I learned the story of a real-life Disney villain. And there's a bunch of real-life Disney villains, but this one is a one from a while ago whose actions actually paved the way for Mickey Mouse. So you might know this guy. I don't think I do. Okay. So then this is going to be fun. This is a story from the 1920s, back from, back from when Walt and Roy, or Walt, you know, first showed up in California just with his suitcase and a dream. And <laughs> not to fully, this one could be a really long rabbit hole, but we know we like to bring you guys sort of shorter, fun anecdotes that you can listen to on your commute. So... Not to fully cover off on too, too much Disney history in, uh, in this today, but just to give you some context to where we are right now. So basically when Disney first arrived in California in the 1920s with like next to nothing to his name, he and Roy got their uh, lucky break working with this film distributor named Margaret Winkler, who ordered production of a series of shorts called The Alice Comedies. Which I'm sure we're going to talk more about in future episodes, but they were essentially these live action mixed with animation comedies. And this distribution deal essentially allowed Walt and Roy to start what was called at the time the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio. And these were pretty expensive to produce, but they did start making a small profit and they started hiring some animators. But then when Margaret Winkler got pregnant, her tenacious, we'll say, husband, his name is Charles Mintz, took over the studio because I guess pregnant women can't do stuff in the 1920s. <laughs> but it's still great that she was the studio, you know, she was, she was the head before. But so anyway, so Charles Mintz was not the best to Walt and Roy and also the wildly talented animator of iWorks who had also joined the studio. So for example, 
when he first took over, he renegotiated their contract so they were producing more work, more Alice comedies, and making less money. But then one thing he did do was to secure an opportunity for the studio to produce a cartoon series for Universal Studios. And one source I read said this was the first Universal cartoon series. Another said it was the first in decades, but basically the first uh, Universal cartoon series in the 1920s. And the cartoon series was... I have no idea. Okay, it was, Os- Os- it was Oswald the Lucky oh, Rabbit. Oswald, yeah. my favorite. How did I not know that? Yes. So this is another place we could spend a lot of time, but I'm going to try to save some more facts about Oswald for the future. But really, Oswald was the first character of his kind. He was one that Walt really imbued real personality into that the audience could identify with, which is something that Roy E. Disney had said And so many early cartoons were about gags more than personalities, which, again, Roy said. So another lesser-known fact that I came across was that while Disney and Abai Works created Oswald, Universal was actually allowed to name him, and apparently they picked his name out of a hat. So... I didn't know that. And they didn't, yeah. So, oh, we'll talk more about Oswald specifically. We can talk about Oswald forever. In the future, we can talk about Oswald forever because Oswald is adorable. And there's actually a really, really fun story about how Oswald actually came back to the parks, mm-hmm. which I will try to surprise you with, even though you know it's coming <laughs> out. Know <laughs> but we'll we'll cover that off in future episodes. Just to get back into the story of this Disney villain, basically Oswald debuted in September 1927, and it was a major hit, and its success allowed the Disney Brothers studio, the cartoon studio, to quickly expand taking on as many as 22 new animators, and it basically became the gold standard in animation. They were the best at what they were doing at the time. They were making the best cartoons for Universal, something new and interesting and different, and they were just the best at what they did. So Walt himself was never really, like, that amazing of an animator. He animated, of course, and he animated things for the Alice comedies and other things around the time, but Ub Iwerks was obviously more talented of the two in terms of animation. And I read an account that says that now that the studio at this point in time was so successful and Walt was basically just running it, Charles Mintz didn't know what he was good for anymore, and he felt that he, Mintz, or like someone else, could run the studio. So he also knew that he just, because of the contract, owned everything, (laughs) owned Alice Comedies and owned the studio and owned Oswald, Oswald. (laughs) owned Oswald, that he basically worked on and planned a takeover attempt. He negotiated a new distribution deal with Universal, and he started to put together backdoor deals with Walt's animators to produce the shorts in a new studio, unbeknownst to Walt, So he basically just started stealing his people out from under him and didn't tell Walt. And then Walt, his contract was coming up and he wanted more money. There's other accounts that say he wanted to do something more creatively fulfilling. Who knows how history has been rewritten. But basically, he, Charles Mintz and Walt met in New York for Walt's new contract negotiations. And Mintz offered him a contract that essentially read that he and Roy would get a substantial salary, but that he was essentially just a subcontractor for Mintz and not the head of the studio. And Walt was like, no. (laughs) And he was calling back to home and he was calling back to Roy and he was telegraphing back to Roy and saying, you know, get get contracts in place with the with the animators. This is going south. This is not, you know, some something is up here. 
And Roy was trying to get all the animators to sign, but, but they just wouldn't because they all had signed deals with Mansoretti that, that they didn't know about. So essentially, um, Walt refused the first off- offer and the resident Disney villain, Mintz, came back with a new worse offer, which was basically just like take a pay cut or you can go. And he offered Walt and Roy $200 a week as employees and stipulated that he would be taking 50% of the profits and the price per picture would increase by $50. So Walt said no because it was a bad deal. (laughs) And he lost his studio and he lost every single one of his animators except for Ub Iwerks, who was the only guy to stay with him and move on to the next studio. So that is the story of the original Disney villain, Charles Mintz. But the story ends with three pieces of good news. Number one, legend has it that Walt came up with Mickey on the train home from those negotiations in New York, then called Mortimer, but he essentially, you know, <laughs> was like, heck you, I can, okay. I can make, I can do this again, I can make something else that's great that all of America's gonna love. And what's crazy is at this point in time, Oswald was really, was really, really popular. There was merch, he was obviously super wildly distributed, and then Walt basically came up with Mickey and... Obviously, if you look at early Mickey and you look at early Oswald, they look pretty similar, similar. (laughs) except one has shorter ears. So it's kind of crazy that he didn't get in trouble for making almost the same character, but with little cuter ears. Well, subjectively cuter. So essentially, legend has it that he came up with Mickey on the train home from those negotiations. And this past weekend, you and I went to the Vanny Inn Galleries in... In Sherman, in, Oaks, Sherman Oaks. in Sherman Oaks. And the Van Eaton Galleries, for anyone who doesn't know, is, is a great gallery in L.A. that basically does a lot of Disney, Disneyana, Disney history type exhibitions and auctions. And they had one this past weekend. Uh, it was July 7th for, I don't know when we're going to be releasing this. It was called A Brief History of Walt Disney Studios, an Exhibition and Auction. They had this piece it was called The Chronological History of Mickey, and it was an in-house Walt Disney Studio packet that was created in 1948 and looked back at the first 20 years of Walt Disney's Beloved Mouse. And the 43-page packet, we didn't get a chance to look through the whole thing, but we got a picture of the first page, and this is the way that the first page sort of synthesizes everything that I just said. And this is what was written in 1948 about the beginnings of Mickey Mouse. In 1927, Walt Disney was well on his way to success with his popular character, Oswald the Rabbit. However, Walt was beginning to strain at the leash. He was not satisfied. There were things he wanted to do to improve the cartoon, and they took money. So he decided to go to New York for a conference with the chief and Lillian Bounds, who was now his wife, went with him. Unfortunately, the chief was not in accord with Walt's ideas for improvement. The cartoons were selling. People liked him. Why spend more money? The upshot was that Disney lost Oswald the Rabbit, the New York company took over most of the boys who were working with Walt, and went on producing Oswald without him. So that's <laughs> the, that's what they said in this packet. I might cut that part out because it's really, really long, but I just thought it was interesting. I do love that yeah. Oswald does look kind of similar to Mickey, and it always... I always get a kick out of it when I'm at California Adventure and people run up to Oswald who makes appearances there sometimes yeah. and calls him Mickey. I know. And I feel bad for whoever plays Oswald. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they haven't done too much to help people get to know Oswald yet. I also do love that. So 
I knew a little bit. I knew that Universal owned Oswald, yeah. and I kind of knew the story of how he led to Mickey. But I also love, and I wish I knew what video game. I want to say Kingdom Hearts, but I think that's wrong. But Oswald came back. Uh, we can talk more about how he came back yeah. and the specifics <laughs> behind the deal another time. But they did do a little bit of re-education on who he is through some video game where they gave him this really dark backstory. And it's, like, heartbreaking because it's so rooted in the truth where he was Walt's creation and Walt's first major character and his baby, and then he was just forgotten for so long. So long. And Mickey became, you know, the face of Disney and Walt's golden child. And so the story on it builds on this kind of resentment and... Feeling of inadequacy against Mickey, which is so heartbreaking, but so, if you know the history of it, it does come from a very real place. Yeah, that's true. And he probably, like you said, still feels like that because he gets... (laughs) Because people at California Adventure call him Mickey. Yeah. I heard a kid call him Big Ear Mickey once. Oh, Big Ear Mickey. (laughs) Which is kind of cute. He's not even the same species. (laughs) Oh, little dude. Well, just to wrap up, Charles Mintz also. So number two, in terms of our pieces of good news that this story ends with, I think that Charles Mintz eventually got his comeuppance from Disney because Disney eventually basically named a villain after him. So the villain in Up is named Charles Muntz. (laughs) And I also feel like there's sort of a similar trajectory with their stories where everyone sort of thinks they can trust him and thinks he's going to be someone who's cool and their bud, and then he turns out to be terrible. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert, he turns out to be terrible. So years and years after Charles Mintz basically kicked Disney out of his own company, he eventually became, (laughs) I mean, he had passed away by this time. I think he, he passed away in 1989, but you know. They turned him into a Disney villain. (laughs) So that's happened. And then number three, Oswald did eventually make it back to Disney and the parks. But again, that is another fun story in and of itself. So we'll save that till next time. We could talk about Oswald forever. Short and sweet. We could talk about Oswald forever. Love me some Oswald. get a little bit more into Oswald and how he came back to the parks and that super cool story next time. So that's the story of Charles Mintz's hostile takeover of the Disney Brothers studio. That is, it's 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 not the only attempted hostile takeover of Disney. We can get more into those in the future too, but it's definitely one of the earliest. So I like this story in particular because Walt is just such a symbol of success and of changing the world of entertainment and culture as we know it, but I think it's important to also consider some of his failures as well. And super important. It is, right? There, and there's more that we can talk about, but... I find that these failure stories are just as inspiring, if not more so, than his success because, yeah, this must have seemed to him at the time like the best thing ever. Like, I'm the head of the studio that's making a character that is now beloved and it's everywhere all over the world, all over America, and he probably felt like he was maybe even at, like, the height of his success at yeah. that point in time. yeah. And then this guy came in and, and pulled the rug out from under him and Roy and Abai Works, and it just sort of, like, fueled their future. So it's yeah. just one of those stories. Well, in the moment, yeah. like, he lost his animators, he mm-hmm. lost his position at the company, he lost his creation in Oswald and his character that he loved. Yeah. And I'm sure that has to be, you know, all at once. It's a pretty big failure. Yep. And then to come back even better if he had stayed where he was if he hadn't failed we would not have the disney or mickey that we have today so i feel like that's a really good way 
for everyone to sort of start out the week with this inspiring, it's a great inspiring story. Uplifting. <laughs> it really does sort of, you know, it's it is a story of a villain, but it is a story about how this guy's villainy sort of fueled, you know, more creativity and gave us what we know today from Walt. So if you feel like you're failing, and if you feel <laughs> like everything's going wrong, just you be do. like Walt. <laughs> and it is, you know, pe- people always ask us why we love Disney and the Walt Disney Company so much. And it's things like this that really give me so much respect and admiration for what they built because he did everything that he did in, you know, in the face of having nothing, starting from nothing, and getting rejected, facing failure, and then he still came back and he is one of the most influential people to ever live. So that's my story. <laughs> so keep that in mind on Monday. Keep that in mind. This <laughs> next Monday. time you fail, you could be the next Walt Disney. Exactly. Use it as fuel, as they say. <laughs> so so changing gears a little bit. Okay. Um, because we can talk about Oswald forever. This week, I have two kind of shorter facts for you. Okay. And the reason I did two is because the first one, I swear on my life, is a fact, but I could not find that many sources to verify okay. it. Okay. Um, so the first TIL, this week I learned, there is a chocolate chip cookie that used to float around inside of space in Space Mountain. Huh. Did you know about that? No. <laughs> okay. So this was told to me. In the late 90s, early 2000s by my cousin, so great source. (laughs) (laughs) And we went on Space Mountain, and she mentioned that there's, you know, this rumor that everyone knows about that they, instead of an asteroid in, you know, outer space, space, Disneyland. Okay. Apparently, it's also at Disney World, and I think it's still at Disney World. Okay. So Disneyland, instead of an asteroid, had a cutout picture of a chocolate chip cookie that would bounce around in space (laughs) on the inside of Space Mountain. And I swear I saw it when I was younger, and then it has been missing for years. Apparently in the 2005 refurb, they got rid of the chocolate chip cookie. I know that because I did so much digging on this. Okay. I swear the chocolate chip cookie existed, and other people have seen this chocolate chip cookie. Are there no YouTube videos of the chocolate chip cookie? I, I looked on YouTube. All I found, I found... A few message boards, including Yahoo Answers. Wow. Which that is where they noted that it's still at Walt Disney World Space Mountain. Huh. So I actually did go on it recently, but didn't even think to look for the cookie. Oh my gosh. So cannot confirm or deny that. Well, you'll be back there in November and I'll be back there in February. So, so we'll, we, we have to look, look for, for the, the cookie. cookie. But I do distinctly remember chocolate chip cookie bouncing around in outer space inside Space Mountain. Okay, listeners, we need your help. Yeah, if this you have seen, if you've seen the cookie, the cookie, if or you know of the legend of the chocolate chip cookie, if this is absolutely important. We need this cookie. If anyone got a video of yeah. a chocolate chip cookie, anything, we need, we need to know if it still exists too. Yeah, if so. it did exist, if it does exist. Okay, we need all the cookie intel. So today we're kicking off Cookie Hunt 2018. Love it, and. Hashtag cookie hunt 2018. We need to get so, to the bottom of this. So if anyone finds this cookie, we will... It's chocolate chip cookie. Yes. Looks kind of like an asteroid. Bounces around. We'll treat you to a Jack Jack's cookie num num at Disneyland. There we go. That's a this cookie. perfect reward. <laughs> first, for the first person who finds this, it's cookie. <laughs> Those cookies do smell really good. All right. So All right, Yahoo so, Answers has confirmed this, though. Yeah. So Yahoo Answers had it. There was actually... Dizboards.com 
had a thread on a message board about it called the Great Space Mountain Asteroid Debate the Truth, okay. where people talk about if the cookie existed. People <laughs> have verified that they've seen the cookie. A forum on WDWmagic.com also had a thread about the, the Space Mountain chocolate chip cookie. So people are talking about it. Okay. People know it existed. I just have not found an official journalistic source where someone admits that they copied and pasted a picture of a chocolate chip cookie in place of an asteroid okay. in Space Mountain. Okay. So. Cookie hunt 2018. Cookie hunt 2018. <laughs> Massively important. So just because that is like unverified and I want to give you a real TIL in addition to that. Also on the topic of food, another super quick one. And I know you're thinking of one because I told you one by mistake and I deliberately did not want to give you that one today. Okay. So my fact for today is that there used to be a Welch's juice bar in Fantasyland. Oh, Did you know that? No. So I love this because um, it was where Pinocchio's Daring Journey is now and there's um, like all great things at Disney actually a reference to it today at a Disney park. Was it one of the original sponsors? It was not one of the originals, but it did open in 1955. Oh. So, so may as well year. Been. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty early on. Uh, there's some cool pictures, so we will link to that in the show notes. <laughs> um, super cute. But I love that Disney always, not always, but for a lot of things, finds a way to incorporate their history into the present. And in Shanghai Disney, there's actually a wine bar at their hotel. Uh, the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel, and the mural inside that wine bar is the same mural from behind the bar at the Welch's Juice Bar in 1955. Really? But yeah. is that, and that mural is, wait, the so exact it's not, same one or it's re- It's not like the same, same one, yeah. but it looks exactly the same. Oh, cute. And yeah, is that and one gone from Disneyland? Yeah. So it's a reference to Fantasia. And there will also be a picture of that in the show notes uh, so you can see what we're talking about. But it's just a really nice reference to have something that is still, you know, it's not a juice bar, it's a wine bar. Yeah. Uh, Same thing. It's all about grapes. And so they kept that little bit of Disney history that otherwise would have been totally forgotten. Wait, And and now it's Pinocchio Village House? So the Welsh's juice bar was in Fantasyland around where Pinocchio's Daring Journey and the Red Rose Tavern are now. There's... An article on DisneyFoodBlog.com that said that from July 24th, 1955 through 1980, so it lasted a pretty long time. Yeah. Oh, uh, so it was an opening, it opened opening week. Is that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I won't call it an OGOG, yeah. but it I was mean, there pretty early. <laughs> it was there within, like, They were constructing it on opening day. Four of set with one, one, one week They were putting opening. the final touches of paint That's on it. it. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They had a lot to do for opening day. There so. we go. So essentially opening yes. day, not officially. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it lasted through 1980, and guess could... a long sponsorship. I feel yeah. like a lot of the sponsorships didn't... Disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Or weren't 25-year sponsorships. Yeah. 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 So that was a long one. Um, And guests could stop in for a refreshing glass of semi-frozen Welch's grape juice. Mm. That sounds delicious. Really? Oh, that sounds like great. I love it. (laughs) I'm into it. Like it sounds, I don't know. Like I feel like grape juice to me sounds like cough syrup. Grape juice is so good. Yeah. Plus now, you know, I, I don't know how that would play. Now, I guess little kids still drink like Welsh's juice, but in LA now we're more like 
juice snobs Fair. when it comes to <laughs> and you cold can, pressed fancy juices. <laughs> you but, can go across the park to California Adventure and just get some wine, which is like true, grape juice for your children. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so that's my fact. Not only the fact that there was a Welch's juice bar, I know there's a lot of like sponsorships and I think people forget yeah. um, how prevalent they were in early mm-hmm. Disneyland. A lot of things did have a brand name attached to it. Yeah. And the fact that it's referenced at the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel, I just kind of love that they kept that little spirit of the Welch's juice bar alive. That is cute. That's cute. Well, they always say like ideas never die at Disney. So mm-hmm. obviously we're seeing that a lot more in films lately <laughs> but in parks also you'll we'll see a lot of the same sort of ideas or ride systems or things like that come come up over and over again so that's cool that they took some nostalgic art from the parks and sort of flew it halfway around the world and and kept you know trying to instill some of that nostalgia into a newer park yeah it's cute just a little nod to not opening day disney yep. but opening week disney yeah that's really cute i feel like there are still a lot of sponsored attractions and different things like that but they're less heavy-handed in how they present the sponsorships themselves definitely so. especially when it comes to food yeah you don't really see like a maxwell ha- i guess you see a starbucks coffee yeah. House yeah, yeah yeah scratch that but <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, I get the impression, especially with the places that have closed, that a lot of the early food places were very heavily sponsored, yep. whereas now it's more restaurant names Yeah, or just little yep. stops. Same with a lot of the stores on Main Street USA. A lot of those were leased and they were more specifically non-Disney stores, you know, like there was the bra store. I was just, they were at the bra <laughs> store and I wasn't going to say it because I yeah. was going to save it for another fact for you, uh, but we do both know. Cut it out. No, cut it out. Leave it um. in. We both know about the bra store. <laughs> uh, yes, there was a bra store uh, for a short time on Main Street USA. So next time you're in Shanghai Disneyland, keep a lookout for a Fantasia-inspired mural, and you'll now know where that came from. Mm -hmm. And next time you go on Pinocchio's Daring Journey, you can think about grape juice. Yep. (laughs) You can think about grape juice. (laughs) Good. Perfect. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review. You can find us online at TILDisney.com or on Instagram at TILDisney. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love your feedback since we're just starting out. We'd love to hear what you guys are enjoying or what you'd like to hear more of. If you have your own TIL Disney that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to explore them more. Reach out to us on Instagram at TILDisney or online at TILDisney.com. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.